Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place, which is back from hiatus for three whole weeks. Uh, (laughs) My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, her mailman from Heaven Calendar never made it past March. It's my sister, Marissa. I am not going to explain that to my TV (laughs) husband, Cheney. I love that. He goes, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Michael just so wants... Chelinor to succeed. He's like, don't, don't mess this don't up. Don't be gross. Don't, don't be, be gross. gross. Don't mess this up. That's what I think you've said that to. Like when I've gone on a first date, you've texted me from the bat. Like, don't be gross. Stop it. <laughs> um, we are very excited to be back with the Soul Squad. This was a this episode. I think was like, uh, if not a barn burner, at least a barn simmerer. <laughs> Chelinor, 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 Chelinor! Chelinor, 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 Chelinor! So, apparently, before we get to that, a little bit of housekeeping. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on iTunes or any other platform that you like. And also just, like, tell your friends, you know, if they want to get caught up you know after during the hiatus if they need a good place fix you know and they want to re-listen to some episodes and you can also follow and like us on facebook uh we have a group called the good play twitter at the good play pod which uh got a little love this week and uh gmail the good play pod at gmail.com you can send us an email did i miss anything no all right can you do the recap this week so that I can just interject with Chelinor? Yeah, sure. So this episode picks uh, right up where we left off in the last one. Uh, it actually like took me a second to get back in. I was like, oh, right. All of that like incredibly crazy stuff with the void was like in the mind of the characters like five seconds ago but it happened like a month ago for us so yes <laughs> um so this the soul squad is in the mail room of the good place basically they are actually in the good place the good place exists so they don't believe him but to convince them michael tells them all to take a deep breath and the air smells like whatever makes them happiest so like tahani's air smells like the curtain closing between economy and first class on an airplane. The best is that apparently Cheaties, which is absolute moral truth, smells like uh, warm, soft pretzels. I mean, I would believe that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Jason has like this whole scene that he acts out with Blake Bortles, but then also at the end says weed. So, you know, it's whatever makes them happiest. Uh, Eleanor is really happy that because they're in the mailroom, uh, there might be mailmen from heaven. And, you know, then we get the joke about the uh, calendar. <laughs> Janet blows up the dumbwaiter entrance that they came in through. Um, and then Michael's like, I was going to say, let's keep a low profile. And she just like explodes it. And so it makes a really big noise. Michael is kind of panicking and he tells them that their cover story is that Janet is neutral. So she trans is transformed into like the beige Janet that we saw from earlier. But it's her. It's just in beige clothing. Uh, Michael's an accountant and that the humans all won a contest, which is like, I don't 
They're, like, it's the flimsiest possible. A contest administered by whom? For what <laughs> and why? <laughs> Shrug emoji. We don't know. Right. Chidi uh, doesn't think they'll need a cover story, and he just says, like, let's come clean and request asylum. And then, you know, Jason's line, we're refugees. What kind of messed up place would turn away refugees? <sighs> They're getting into it, guys, in yep. this episode. They are getting into it. Michael is worried that since the good place folks like never actually break the rules, that there's no guarantee that they wouldn't just send them all back to the bad place because they're following the rules. Not because they, you know what I mean? Like not because they're bad, but just because. Yeah. Because they, they seem to be almost more lawful neutral than lawful good. (laughs) That's a great way to put it. Yeah. So enter Gwendolyn played by the lovely and delightful Nicole Byer. She's so funny. So I didn't know who she was, but she was so great. So you do know who she is because she's been a guest on How Did This Get Made a couple times. Ooh, which, which episode or episodes? Bloodsport and The Meg. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah she's so very go, funny. Go back and listen to those. She's really, really funny. And she also has a Netflix show called Nailed It, which like isn't my bag, but a lot of people think it's really funny. And that's like a cooking. It's like a baking competition. So she comes running in after she hears the explosion. And, you know, their flimsy alibi actually works for her because she's super trusting. Like, she's she's a eternal being in the good place. So she's never encountered, like, a liar before or right. any sort of badness in any form, which is, like, pretty amazing to think about. Um, and their alibis. Jason's like a Dracula blew up the mail entrance with a bazooka. Like it's that. And she's level. like, "Jeez, Louise, I'm just glad you guys are okay." Yeah, she's so funny. She's adorable, and she shows them around the correspondence center. That's what she calls the the building they're in, and she shows them a door to the good place that they can't use because the only official entrance for humans is like the the like main entrance which is 500 trillion miles away five north north south north of here yeah like bonkers like just incredibly impossible to get to um and michael offers to help gwendolyn clean up the mailroom and then she's like thanks did i win a contest like she's just so happy (laughs) to have somebody (laughs) it's not clear to me what kind of mail they're getting in the good place this is like never explained like what mail that's a good question i there's uh maybe we should save this for discussion but there's a a a farcical or a satirical book about the afterlife that i really like called what in god's name it's by simon rich and they get mail in that version of the afterlife too but it's like people's prayers well i thought about that maybe but then it's like the wrong scale you know what i mean like it should be like yeah billions of times bigger yeah Yeah. i don't know but yeah michael offers for them to help up help clean up the mail room and uh eleanor kind of like keeps cheating behind and is like we'll be right there (laughs) meanwhile she's like after they leave she's like frantically trying to open the door she like tries to she takes a a lamp yep in one of the greatest pieces of physical comedy I've seen in a while, she takes the lamp and whips it at the door and Cheaty ducks out of the way just in time. And he calls her Smashy. Smashy. <laughs> just so, but he like, so obviously he just adores her and he's like, okay, Smashy, like, let's, let's, <laughs> let's calm down. down. So she's freaking out because like, they've had this incredibly, especially her in the last episode. Had this, oh, she's like, had it worse than any of them. 
incredibly emotional experience, incredibly physically demanding. Like every, she's just like completely, she's like a bunch of raw nerves at this point. And so she's freaking out and she's like, I, I'm tired of the, all the running and the hiding and the lying, and, yeah. The lying and everything, which is like, I think, real character growth from her. You know, on Earth, <laughs> she, that's all she ever did. Yeah. And she's like, the only thing that's separating us from paradise is like this, this door. It's like, how thick could that be? Like a couple inches? That's just four Oreos. We're four Oreos from heaven, which is like what everyone is. So the original title of the episode was Four Oreos from Heaven, but Nabisco wouldn't clear it. What? Nabisco? Yeah, I know. Come on now, bro, brosif. That was, it was a huge mistake on their Oreos. <laughs> there was a great, I saw a great tweet this week that was, um, there's a, a Bruno Mars song called oh, Locked, I saw this. Locked Out of Heaven. And you so, make me feel like I've been locked, locked out of heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And that was great. I love that song. And um, it's okay. <laughs> whatever. I love that album. And it's just a picture of four Oreos with that as the, as like the tweet captions. Yes. Chidi is kind of calming her down. Meanwhile, Michael and Gwendolyn have an exchange about, you know, Michael's basically like, trying to call the good place committee and she's like but you can't use that phone because it's against the rules and he's like okay but if i did and she's like oh this is fun like let's talk about this thing that can never happen and of course like (laughs) hypotheticals right she's like this was a fun thought experiment and (laughs) and then michael like distracts her to get her out of the room and the minute she leaves because again she's like super it's not that she's gullible it's just that she's real trusting he calls he like picks up the phone and asks to speak to the good place committee and in the other or like adjacent room uh jason admits to tahani that he feels bad because he basically read janet's diary while they were in the void and he knows that janet's in love with him Tahani, like, I think has some actually, like, really sound relationship advice. This is for... the best advice anyone's given in the show in a long time. I mean, she the... says you have to start from a place of honesty. So you have to, if you want to talk to her about this, like, you have to come clean. And she said a similar thing to Eleanor when she yes, found yes, out yes, about yes. the t- timelines and, like, wanted to talk to Chidi about it and was like, she was like, look, you you know, obviously you feel this way for a reason. So I think you got to tell him. And it's like, I was like, Tahani, good job. You know, for someone yeah. who, for someone who, again, this is character growth for someone who on earth. Well, in know, this, ca- in this timeline, she had a, like a really nice relationship with Larry Hemsworth. That's right. Oh my God. That's right. <laughs> and Jason's like, so dopey. And he's like, it's nice to know I could talk about, talk uh, about girls with my wife. So Jason goes over to Janet and asks, and is like, I actually think, like, he was really mature about this, too, and was like, look, I'm sorry, I saw this, it kind of freaked me out, but, like, let's talk about it. I was like, oh my god, Jason, you're, you're like, all grown up. Yeah. Um, but Janet is like, no, I don't want to, she shuts it down, she's like, I don't want to talk about it, because she has to remain neutral, or she'll blow their cover. Right, and... so every time Nicole Byer asks Janet something, <laughs> oh like, god. how are you doing, Janet's like... I am okay. I am also not not okay. End of conversation. <laughs> yeah. It is neutral to meet you. <laughs> yes. Like, so she's like, I have to be neutral. And like, you guys being in my void was such an exhausting experience. And I don't even want to go there. And I can't handle it. And you got to shut up, basically. And he tries to talk about it. She's like, nope. Drip. Like, no, we can't do this. So 
Then we see um, the Good Place Committee headed by Paul Shear. So we are now two out of three on the How Did This Get Made core crew. Yes. And Brianna texted me to say, you know, June Diane Raphael has to be on the show. And I said, she should be God. She absolutely, she needs to be God. Dear NBC, <laughs> she needs to be God. She would be a great God. She's she amazing. would be. She's so good. Uh, this is a diverse bunch of like super nice, like really um, expressive sort of concerned fleece wearing, I guess we could call them liberals. I don't know, who are basically going to hear Michael out. Right. They, when, as soon as he introduces himself and says what he thinks the problem is, that the bad place is tempering with the point system, they're like, oh, my goodness. Like, yeah. you take notes. You open up a secure channel to headquarters. You go get peaches from the farmer's market. Yes. In your tote bag. Um, and he says, so- I think pluots are in season. <laughs> then go get all the pluots you can carry. <laughs> and- By the way, why are there even seasons in heaven? Shouldn't oh, great it just question. always be You get what I, everything you should be able to get whatever season. you want. Yeah. So that's like their immediate introduction. We'll get back to them in a minute. But in the meantime, Eleanor is still trying to open the door to the good place. And she's really This is failing. where my feelings, this is where my feelings are, Brianna. My I feelings! Can, I can feel you. Feelings! I can, we are not even in the same room. And I can feel your feelings. Can you... Keep a lid on it for like three more seconds. Or do you want to say what the no, line no, no. is? No, 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 no. Do you want to say the line? Right now, we're together in heaven, basically, and we're in love. That's right? So what Jeannie says to Eleanor, you guys. You guys. <laughs> I'm not okay. I am not okay. <laughs> Um, (laughs) um, and he basically says like let's go on a date like let's take your mind off it let's have our first date before oreos from paradise (laughs) usually this is me i'm really enjoying this this is this is why i told you you had to do the story i'm really enjoying this like role reversal we have meanwhile Michael is pleading his case to the committee and he says that, you know, like, isn't it really odd that no one's gotten in the good place for 500 years? And Paul Shear's character was like, there have been dips before. Remember 200,000 years ago when they invented stabbing and they were all just like stabbing each other? (laughs) I thought that was so funny. (laughs) Um, Michael is convinced and, you know, they, I, I liked this, what they did the whole time with when Michael talks about the bad place breaking the system he they he says there's no other explanation it's the only explanation they hit that pretty hard a few times and somebody a woman on the committee says uh, i wouldn't put it past them everyone in the bad place is a <laughs> disgusting monster and he goes well some of them <laughs> he kind of like he kind of like fixes his hair a little bit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like some of them are probably like cool men about town types like you know like <laughs> so it's really funny his comic timing is amazing and so the committee deliberates, and one of the members showers Michael with compliments. <laughs> so, so the the character's name is Kellen. And I looked him up because I thought he was so funny. He's he's like he's a writer primarily, and he's written oh, okay. for um, Key and Peele, and he's written for Brooklyn Nine Nine and other things. Oh well, that makes sense because they're both yeah. sure shows. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so back in the mail room, Gwendolyn is chatting with Janet and Tahani and Jason and kind of like asking Tahani and Jason, like, oh, how did you guys meet? And, and she said, all, all, are all humans as attractive as you? And Tahani's like, ha, no. And then she's like, how'd you guys meet? And Jason's like, we met in brain school and then we got married because nothing matters. So like, I just, which is correct. Like, but it makes no sense. And um, she asked for Jason's help getting something from the other room, leaving Tahani alone with Janet. And Tahani, again, trying to be emotionally mature, goes up to Janet and calls her darling, which I thought was adorable. And was like, Janet, darling, you know, I am to blame. I was the one who told uh, Jason to speak with you about what we saw. And Janet's like, oh, my God, you saw it, too. And Tahani's like, nope. (laughs) And she and then basically janet kind of vomits all her feelings not literally but which could have happened on the show but but basically says like it's it's really terrible for me like embarrassing for me that he knows this and to see the two of you married is really difficult and i just like can't handle it and like we can't talk about it now because i have to be neutral and you know janet says she's worried the emotions are gonna burst out of her butt meanwhile this is back to marissa's feelings corner Eleanor and Chidi go on a date and they have champagne that they found and like a bunch of other stuff and their banter is adorable. Eleanor says like, this is so my speed, like sneaking around with a boy. And I was like, Eleanor, I feel you, girl. (laughs) And Chidi's version of fun as a kid was sneaking into his parents' office and reading the unabridged dictionary. It's interesting. This is the only information we've ever gotten about his family. And all it says is that when his parents would go off to a symposium. So it, it suggests that his parents were academics. Yeah. But that's the only information we've ever gotten about his family at all. I think otherwise it would be too sad, right? Yeah, entirely possible. Like that he actually had like functional loving parents. And died way too young. <laughs> yeah. You know, their banter's really cute. And, you know, he's like, oh, I, you know, I'm not worried. Oh, she says... I can't believe I find you attractive. And he's like, yeah, I'm not worried about that. Cause like you totally blew that last week. You're yeah. not last week, but in last week's episode, you totally blew that. This is such like a, it, it's not out of character. I want to be really firm about that, but it's such a different side of Chidi's character. Now that he is like secure in her affection. Yeah. That his, most of his sort of insecurities and in, in, indecisiveness kind of just, you know, whoop, go away. Go away. And he's just so with her and into her and everything is about her. And it is the best, you guys. Like, <laughs> may we all deserve our own Cheaty. Yes, I In agree. this life or the next. So Cheaty dresses up as a mailman from heaven as a surprise for Eleanor. Like he Because finds... they're in the correspondence center. So, so he's like a uh, male outfit. Yeah. So he find... <laughs> he found an outfit and he puts it on and like, he looks hot. He's William yeah. Jackson Harper. He's <laughs> yeah. ripped. Oh my god, he really is. And he's like doing (laughs) Because he could never decide if it was leg day or arm day. (laughs) So he's just kind of like, hey, what do you think? And she starts, she like bursts into tears. And he's he's like, oh no, you're crying. I'm assuming because you're happy. But like, is this a horny cry? (laughs) So funny. And I, I, everything Eleanor said here, I was like, this, I need this, I need these words like inscribed on my tombstone or something. It was (laughs) just like, (laughs) no, it was just like so real. Oh my God. 
She says, this sucks and I'm furious and this is the happiest I've ever been and I blame you. It was just like such the perfect like being in love, sort of like newly in love and um, sort of teetering on this precipice of things being like very real and (laughs) very much happening and not fully having the capacity to deal with that. Yeah. It was, and, you know, she's Eleanor, so she handles it in a very Eleanor way. And uh, meanwhile, the committee is, has made a decision and they are going to take, quote, decisive action and they're going to form an investigative team and they're going to get into the issue and forming the team will take 400 years and then the team will have to investigate themselves to make sure there are no conflicts of interest and that will take just 1,000 years. Yeah. And Michael's really frustrated. And he says, the whole time you're doing this, the bad guys will just continue to torture everyone who goes to the bad place, which is everyone. So right. everyone. And the committee is, like, making all of these sort of empty gestures of, like, well, this very deeply concerns us. And we're so concerned. Uh, let me show you this memo about how concerned we are. But they're not actually going to move any faster because they don't feel like they can. They say, we're the good guys. We can't just do stuff. Um, And one of them, the same guy who compliments Michael tries to be more like, you know, he says the words here, here. And he resigns. And Paul Paul Shear goes, did you file a request to say here, here memorandum? (laughs) And he's like, I resign. And I apologize. Yes. And we're going to get to this committee in the discussion. I got no, a you lot have a lot thoughts. to say. I just want to talk about Chilinor. Okay, so you <laughs> I don't talk, about... talk about international aid. So you talk, so you talk about Chilinor, and I will talk about uh, everything else. Apparently, <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts, guys. I got a lot, of, a lot of thoughts. Um, back in the mailroom, Tahani has like she's she wrote trying... a, a death did us part certificate. It's hysterical. <laughs> she's trying so hard. She realizes that she's stepped in it with each of these people, but she doesn't know how to fix it. So she's, like, kind of ceremoniously, like, annulled, been like, oh, our marriage is void because we're dead. And (laughs) Janet and Jason, that makes them both feel worse. And Tahani just backfires and is like, and just, like, leaves the room. She rips it up and walks through the pieces as she throws them (laughs) up in the air. Which is, I need that gift. But yes. Um, oh, someone I, already gifted. I saw it on Twitter. I have to say that Jamila Jamil's facial expressions this yes! whole episode. This whole episode. Her were face is amazing. Chef's kiss emoji. Perfect. They were like, I, cause I had to pause um, while I was taking notes today. And some of the expressions I paused on were like <laughs> golden. Like, can we so all good. again for the seven hundredth time on this podcast remind ourselves that a she's the most beautiful woman in the world, and in b she the world she didn't have her first kiss till she was twenty one. <laughs> Let's all remember that. I mean, and she has never acted before. Yeah, and is a comedy genius. Yeah. What are you doing with your life? I mean, seriously. So. She leaves awkwardly, and then Eleanor is crying, and her tears taste like nacho cheese. From her favorite movie theater. And Eleanor basically says, like, relationships are a bunch of Relationships are stupid. Because you're worried you're not going to have one, and then when you have one, you're worried you're going to lose it. Yeah, which I can super relate to. Oh, Eleanor. 
And, you know, he tries to cheer her up with, like, a Tolstoy quote. And she's like, I saw that on an unverified Tyra Banks Instagram. (laughs) And and just grinning ear to ear, he goes, and now I hate it. I loved that. (laughs) I thought that was so cute. And then he quotes her and he's like, look, you got to try. And she's like, I know something we could try. And she, like, makes eyebrows at him. And his... He's like... (laughs) He's sort of, like, staggering... He's like, I'll let you pay this because it's Chella yeah. <laughs> He's just like, oh, uh, I th- uh, well, maybe we should both write down on a piece of paper the thing that you're thinking and then we can see it. And she's like, maybe we shouldn't. Takes him by the hand and just drags him into a bedroom. <laughs> and I was or like, yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, my dreams are coming true! Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you, Flying Spaghetti Monster. Yes. You're not. You should say thanks, June Diane Raphael. Um, I should. Yes. That's our new god. Thank you, June Diane. Thank you, June Diane. Um, you're not going to get this on the this kind of level of uh, shipping on reactions on the actual Good Place podcast. Right. No, 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 no. Come to the fan casts for this. So... Tahani has run out of the mailroom to get away from, like, the steaming wreckage that is, like, her (laughs) attempt to. I know. She's just trying to do the right thing, which is leads us into this uh, conversation that she has with Michael. And Michael basically is, like, really frustrated with the committee and their inaction. And he says, the Titanic is sinking and they're writing a strongly worded letter to the iceberg. Again, they're getting into it this episode and they're hitting me in like all the places that I live personally. And Tahani is like, can we change subjects? And he's like, oh, fine. And he says, you know, she's like, I'm just, I, I kind of, I don't know what to do. Like, how do I make Jason happy? And he's like, you give him a lollipop in the shape, <laughs> shape of a, like transform. a transformer. And she goes, listen, you know, I, I try to make the, you know, both of them happy. And there are so many unintended consequences every time I try to do that. And Michael, like, has a brainwave and is like, oh, my God, Tahani, you figured it out. She's like, well, of course I did, darling. What did I do? Like, she just <laughs> takes credit. It's very cute. And he says the other explanation for the reason why no one is getting into the good place is could be unintended consequences. So... Um, Michael opens up. He's got the book of Doug's that he stole from the accounting office. And he compares a Doug who lived in 1534 to a Doug in 2009. And the same action of giving both Doug's gave roses, a dozen roses to their grandmothers. And the Doug in 2009 gets... By the way, the Doug in 2009, I could like throw a rock and hit that guy based on what town they say he lives in. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Maybe there is a guy named Doug in that town. Maybe it's dun, that dun, guy. Dun. So he actually got negative points. So the guy in 1534 got like a whole bunch of positive points. The Right. You do see if you like squint that they, that it's not that every aspect of that action is considered positive, but the only negative aspect is considered that he like debutified the local area right. when he picked those roses. So... In 2009, that Doug got negative points because of all of the, like, unintended consequences of this small act of generosity uh, and and kindness, 
which was that he ordered the roses on a cell phone that was made in a sweatshop. The roses were grown using pesticides. They were picked by exploited labor. They were, you know, shipped and that had a really big carbon footprint. And the CEO of the company that made the money off the sale is like a sexist and a racist. And basically, Michael says... The bad place isn't tampering with points because they don't have to, because every day the world gets a little bit more complicated and being a good person gets harder. And so this is like the revelation that he's needed. And he kind of like runs out of the room. Tahani understanding that like, you know, it is hard to do the right thing. I think this kind of conversation helps her too. Goes back and genuinely apologizes to Janet and says like, I, I want you to be happy because... I love you. Right. And, and you're, Jan- you're, you're one of my best friends. Yeah. And Janet starts to cry, which makes Tahani cry. And then Jason starts to cry. I never cry. Yeah. And then Jason starts crying because he doesn't want to be left out. He's like, I just like being a part of things. Uh, Tahani's also crying because she doesn't like the carpet. Gwendolyn catches them crying and she's like, I've never been suspicious before of anything, but like I might, that might be changing. And Tahani tries to be like, no, 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 everything's fine. But then Chidi and Eleanor burst in. And Eleanor says, what up, fart faces? Chidi and I just had sex in a closet. Yep. So there's that. And (laughs) um, Gwendolyn turns to Michael and she says, like, I have to turn you in to the judge. And Michael says, don't bother. I already did. Then the doorman shows up, Michael Malley shows up and to him the afterlife smells like frogs which is like what a weird <laughs> smell he's a very uh, one-dimensional character <laughs> and um the judge has agreed to michael's terms and they have to meet at ihop which is the interdimensional hole of pancakes which we heard about for the first time in uh the the episode where they pretend to be demons diana and trent and mm, whatever their other names jake were. and yeah <laughs> and Rhonda. Rhonda. And so uh, they got to go there to save humanity. And Chidi's like, cool, do I have time to change? And Michael's like, no. And (laughs) they go through the door and then Gwendolyn waves them goodbye. And that's the end of the episode. Why don't you do your stuff first? Oh, but that's, I mean, that's the depressing stuff. Is that the idea? I know, because I want to end on a high note. Okay, let's do it. The high note is hashtag Chelinor forever. But start with your, like, um international aid whatever (laughs) okay so i actually thought it was interesting that you know you and i were sort of predicting that the people in the good place it was going to be like a gated community where they they were intentionally not letting people in and that's not the case they are a bunch of like very well-intentioned people who or beings i should say that like just stick to their protocols right and so the good place committee to me is like the united nations uh, or any other of these like giant global global governance bodies, and so much so that I watched this with Kate at Kate's apartment. Shouts to Kate! And as they were talking about, we're gonna form a committee, and that's gonna take four hundred years, and then that committee is gonna look into itself. I literally out loud went, "This is the United Nations. This is the <laughs> United Nations." Like multiple times, and I have look i'm not an expert in any of these things but i have worked i've spent and i've talked about this on the show before when we talked about eleanor working for a nonprofit and that being really difficult for her because you maybe feel good in your soul but like you don't get paid that much i've worked with and for nonprofits pretty much my whole career and a lot of them 
intersected in some way with these like giant bodies of global governance and it's they move very very slowly because the whole world has to get on board and that is nigh impossible and they are the you know when when chuck or whoever paul Shear's character in this episode says like we're the good guys we can't just do stuff right like I don't it, think he, but it doesn't matter. Somebody else, somebody on the panel says, we're the good guys. We can't just do stuff. And it's this idea. And, and Michael's, look, Michael's correct, right? Like, while they are deliberating, people are being hurt, being tortured, being whatever. I mean, the the thing that came to mind is, like, this is real dark, but, like, the Rwandan genocide. Like, the global mm-hmm. community, and in particular the United States, did nothing to stop that. You could say the same thing about like the atrocities of World War II or the atrocities of like, you know, that happened after South Sudanese independence. Like the global community, we used to have a joke, it's like a kind of a gallows humor joke where at this one organization that I worked for that did a lot of work with the UN, particularly around women's issues. And we sort of were joking about how like the most you could ask, we would, we would have these actions that we wanted people to take, like tell this person they must do blah, 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 blah. And the only thing we could ever like ask of the UN is like urge people to like urge this country to urge this person to urge that other person that they shouldn't do this bad thing. Right. That you, that that was your joke. That's not much of a joke. That's what I mean. It's not a, like it's it's a way to like, or we'd be like, oh, like I guess we got to urge someone to do something else today, right? Like it's this. It's not really a joke. It's not that funny unless you're like in it, and then you think it's funny because what are your other options? Um, you know, throw your laptop out the window, and you know, <laughs> there are a ton of issues that if you look in the world in on Earth. You know, so not in the afterlife, but but a ton of issues on Earth that if you look at those today, the global, you know, these these supra supra national bodies, these like really big UN or the WTO is another example, right? So the WTO, which for anybody shouts to anybody who listened to our West Wing episode last week where I talked about the WTO. But the WTO is still supposed- available for download if you'd like to get back <laughs> yeah. in on it now. So I'll get to my next sort of depressing point uh, in a second. But this connects oh to it, which is the WTO is responsible for setting the rules for global trade. And their rules haven't been updated in 15 years because the last round where they tried to get everybody together and say, let's work on this stuff because... There are some issues that are affecting the way that trade is working now, you know, trying to like look at issues that are issues of the day, right? And how they affect different countries. They couldn't agree. And we've spent the last 15 years with these outdated rules because they couldn't agree and they can't call another round until they agree, I don't think. So we're just sort of stuck in like... And people are finding ways around it or countries are finding ways around it. But it is this, like you talk about all the advent, all the things that have, have, have come up in the last 15 years that would affect trade, which is what we're, what I'm going to talk about next in terms of like buying the roses for your grandma in 2009, the governing body that's supposed to be taking care of all that stuff is like, well, 
it's going to take a while. And so by the time they do anything, all of this stuff has already happened and it's like passed them by. Right. And so, you know, one of the Rolling Stone article that I found said, you know, they, they, this committee comes off as quote, uh, caricatures of well-meaning, but ineffectual liberals who are too busy worrying about following rules and proper procedure while their opponents ruthlessly do whatever they want to get whatever they want. It's quote, Mm. it's heaven as run by Chuck Schumer, which is like, shots at my senator so no thank you but but i get it like i get where this reviewer is coming from but to me it didn't really read as liberals are ineffectual and conservatives or you know the uh, the opponents are really effective because that's ultimately not the argument the argument is not that the bad place is doing is 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 actually being an oppositional force here right they're not cheating so it's not like the good place is being walked all over and the bad place is being like doing the advantage of them. Yeah. Right. It is that we live in a complicated world and right. therefore the system is rigged sort of ipso facto. And the good guys, the good beings in this case are just really slow to respond. And that to me read more like the United Nations or something like that. Uh, anything to add to that? Or do you want me to just keep being depressing so you can save all your energy for... <sighs> I just... It's fine. On. Okay. Just, I have no great insight into the UN or whatever. I mean, but you know how slow government can be. Sure. Or if you're America right now, how... How non-existent government right. can be. Let's then... I think, you know, the the WTO and all that good stuff is a... Pretty good segue into uh, the fact that basically globalization and industrialization and the rise of capitalism are the reasons why no one has gotten in a good place for 521 years. I don't uh, really understand this as an argument, though, because, like, sure, for the person who lives in the globalized society, it makes sense. But 521 years ago, you're telling me the... The uncontacted Native American tribes in what is, the you know, in the Pacific Northwest somehow didn't get to go to the good place because globalization was happening 2,000 miles away from them. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a good, like, thought experiment. I think getting that specific with the timeline, like, leaves these kinds of questions open right because and also i would say that well i'll make the point first and then i will unravel it a little bit the point being you know we heard this last week basically like mike sure says once we sort of once the world was a closed loop after that moment it was essentially impossible that anybody would get in by the criteria we set up because once the basically europeans settled all these other places, then you've started to get things like the slave trade and um, all kinds of sometimes nasty things that were just nasty and sometimes things that at the time seemed good, like the Industrial Revolution, and now we're realizing like we are killing the planet. So that's what sort of happened. And it's basically like the AV Club had TLDR, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Yeah, but that's that's a facile thing to say, first of all. Yeah. And second of all, the notion that capitalism was invented 500 and blah years ago is just idiocy, right? Right. So like, I don't... how long have 
you know, in East Asia have the basic structures of capitalism essentially, right, been in place. Right. Like thousands of years. So that was going to be my second. Maybe like the, like, and how about like the Mayans and the Aztecs? Like the the notion that like with the age of exploration came, you know, the the badness of capitalism is just stupid. Yeah. So to me, I took it more at, like, look, trust me, there are, uh, I had issues with this too, but I think it's an interesting thing to look at if you're talking about modern humans and you're talking about, I think it works for the last like several hundred years. I don't know that I would say 521. I might say like, I don't know, 300 or whatever, but in This is the point that this show has made over and over again in these much smaller ways, like going back to the coffee shop incident where that guy is like, you know, harassing Mm -hmm, employees, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's hard to be a good person because all these, all these decisions that you have have do have these unintended consequences or there are there could be something lurking under the surface that you're not thinking about. And part of this is about getting people to understand like the ethics of where stuff comes from. Now, look, it's not that simple. That's I didn't really say capitalism. I said globalization, which is like that sort of world is a closed loop and also industrialization, meaning like fossil fuels and mining and the industrial revolution and all this kind of stuff. That's where my head went rather than capitalism necessarily because and I don't mean to say that globalization is like ruining things. I don't mean that to sound xenophobic because I'm certainly not. But the global supply chain and the global, I mean, this is what like the WTO is supposed to deal with, like, but the global supply chain and, you know, what we are doing to the environment and what we're doing to each other on a much more global scale. I think maybe that's the difference. Look, the Mayans and the Incas and the Native Americans and African tribes and, you know, Asian you know, like Chinese dynasties and all that kind of stuff. They certainly had their own, like, it's not like nobody uh, ever murdered anybody in those. But it's not about murder. It's about unintended consequences. But like, those are certainly societies in which, (laughs) right, you're rife with unintended consequences. And if what they really were talking about was globalization, then they needed to pick a much shorter timescale. Yeah. Well, that's why I said like, 300 years or whatever like the slave you know the the african slave trade right like starting with that or something like that because i think what i was gonna say it was like all of these all of these societies did certainly had their own issues right and for the ones that still exist you know they you know mayans and incas not so much but other places certainly do have their own issues to deal with but it is not It is not a situation where if you live in like a tribe in the Amazon, right? Like if you, if there's an unintended consequence to your action, that doesn't necessarily reverberate around the globe in the way that if, if I do something or if you do something and we're part of a global economy. Yeah. But the very fact that there are still uncontacted tribes in the Amazon (laughs) should be the thing that makes this not really possible for this to be a thing. Right. I mean, and look, I would say um, my issue with it is, yeah, like you have, you certainly have had people 
throughout history, you know, like Genghis Khan wasn't globalization, but, you know, he conquered more of Asia than anybody ever had, right? Like there, there, or if you look at like the Silk Road, right? Like I'm, I am sure that there was a slave trade that existed along the Silk Road, right? So it's, it's these. I mean, right. The the concept of slavery is almost as, old as, as ancient as yeah. humanity, right? It's just so, a little. It's all a little sketchy, a little dicey. I I get what they're going for, but I don't think it fully works for me. Mm. We'll get more details on it next week when we go to the interdimensional hole of pancakes. Yeah, but it's either it's either oh, it's globalization, in which case. Anyone who was not part of globalization should have been exempted from this, right? Again, if you are a Native American in modern-day Seattle in the year 1650, you should not be affected by the fact that globalization is slowly taking over the other parts of the planet. Yeah. Or what? Or and the other And the other piece of it that I'll bring up that is that makes this even more difficult for me, and I think this is maybe like what they're trying to get at, is that, you know, for a lot of us, we are part of the global supply chain or this sort of global, this uh, very dicey, difficult global economy. And we don't have an option whether or not to participate in that. We You could we... like do all like winter's bone and just <laughs> drop off the grid. That is, I mean, that's. Not what that story's about, but sure. Yeah, I mean, or actually, the other, the that director had another um, movie come out this year called Leave No Trace, which is based on a book, um, which is about a guy. That's and, probably what I meant. Yeah, a guy who drops off the grid because he wants to, or he has some issues. But anyway, yeah, we, we don't have a choice, right? Like, like, if you use an international bank, right? Like, these banks will give loans to oil companies. If you have a retire I'm look, I used to work for a nonprofit that did a lot of like international humanitarian like emergency response, right? Which is very in some ways can be very ethical work. In other ways, it has its issues certainly, like everything does. But shouldn't there also be a flip side to this though? Wait, can I finish my thought? <sighs> Fine. <laughs> so, I worked at this organization that People who worked there, not me, but other people who worked there were, you know, the world's first responders and would go into war zones and make sure that people had food and et cetera, et cetera. And our retirement funds were, you know, run by a company that did investing and the the, the investing funds were basically like into oil companies and and other like of these like you know mineral companies and and these these behemoths that make a lot of money for the people who invest in them and that's why they're good for retirement accounts yeah yeah, yeah. But, you can't opt out i get it shouldn't there also uh, be can no- you, i finish <laughs> <laughs> You've been talking talking a lot about a lot of very depressing things. (laughs) The humanitarians at this organization said, my job is to like, how, how can I in good conscience, like do my job when the things that are causing the conflict and the instability, like I'm investing back in that with the money that I earn from this job. 
So that's the kind of thing. You don't have the choice. That was my thing. Now I cede the floor to you, okay? Can you Thank chill? Thank you. No, I can't. There is a flip side to this that is being completely ignored, which is that the fact that you have these... Let's. I'm tired of saying the word globalization. The fact that you are exist in a community that is larger than the people who you can count on your fingers and toes That's a longer means that way you can have... That. Well... But I don't mean globalization. Okay. I, I mean the fact that you know we're not living in villages and 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 we and and we're not living irrespective of people who we don't know. Right. But the very fact that that is true means that you can not only can you affect bad things on a large level, you can also affect good things on a large level. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Martin Luther King Jr. Essentially, I mean, I'm obviously vastly oversimplifying his his role but in some sense he liberated millions of people which was not really possible when you were just kind of hanging out in your village and only concerned with your grandma and her roses right yeah that's true like so so you should changing the hearts and minds of a nation is something exactly you couldn't is one of the things to get into the good place, but you couldn't really do that. You can't do that in a were, tribal society, right? There's no such were thing like as a nation. William Wallace. Right? No, but I'm sorry, but let's go back further than that. Like, let's go back to tribalism, right? Let's go sure. back to how humans lived for like the majority of our like millions of years on this planet. Like, right. you can't. There's 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 only a hundred people to change the hearts and minds of, really, right. as opposed to and they're all related to you. Yes, and as opposed to a more modern society where. You know, you have, if you're Gandhi, right, you have the ability to, you know, put positive change into the world for literally millions of people. Yeah. And And it's hard for me to believe that you can have all this amplified bad points because of the reverberations of a large society. But you then don't also have the good things, you know, you're doing good things. And that should also be multiplied by how many people you're touching. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think in terms of, in terms of the like reverberations of, of that lasting after you die, you know, souls and, and the, the point count is immutable, right? Uh, Like Mm -hmm. once you die, that's it. So for somebody who maybe didn't have an impact while they were on earth, but like Mindy, like Mindy. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. But I was trying to think of like a real life example oh. of someone who maybe like didn't have the biggest impact they could have had while they were on Earth. But their death, you know, if we're going to talk about Martin Luther King, the the three people who I mean, many, many, many people died in the struggle for uh, civil rights. But, you know, there were three people who were murdered while they were uh, driving to try to um, register voters, black voters in Mississippi, right? Like they didn't get to their destination, but their deaths, because two of them were white, they were not African-American, like opened the eyes of a lot of people outside of the black community to the struggle for civil rights. and, And their deaths led to this like larger societal conversation about civil rights in in this country and so also a good movie called mississippi burning yes and you know that's again oversimplifying their contributions as well certainly and their legacy but like yeah could you you could say that okay those people okay they didn't 
get the chance to change the hearts and minds that they wanted to change while they were alive, but their impact happened more so after they passed away. But they definitely counted that for Mindy. They counted the impact she had after she was dead. So they have some sort of time. It's some sort of Jeremy Baramy thing where they kind of, they can kind of project forward in time or something. And also I think Mindy is a huge monkey wrench in this whole thing because there is no fracking way that she is the best person who has lived in the last half a millennium. (laughs) That's an absurd thing to claim. I agree. So like, what is going on with that? Question mark. Yeah. It's I I get what they were going for. I think it's it's a it's an oversimplification and I think there are some holes to it, but I think the the general idea of, you know, living a a good and well-meaning life while you're basically a part of this very tangled worldwide web. <laughs> so, so I don't mean the internet necessarily. <laughs> You know, it it makes the point system kind of obsolete. I think it would have been more effective generally if it was like everybody knows that 50% of people get into the good place. So it's just like half of all people get into the good place. And then what we find out is that, you know, starting about 500 years ago, it started dropping. And now we're down to the point where like one in a million people get in or something. Mm -hmm. It just feels more for there to have been for there to have been a cliff and all of a sudden we drop off it and nobody has gotten in in this long despite the fact that the explanation given essentially is globalization even though that didn't really affect most people back then like it it just all feels a little bit strange yeah i agree with you and i mean and and you know they talk about you know the example that that he gives of I mean, I think part of that is, like, it's much more dramatic to say no one's gotten in than it is to be, like, 17 people have gotten in. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. or 100,000 people have gotten in. Because Oh, I totally, I get it from a dramatic standpoint. I just think it just doesn't hold up from a logic standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I mean, given that Mindy has her own medium place. Like, yeah. that is, it's like, come on. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll leave that there, but I, I think... I, I agree with you. There are definitely some issues, but I think I think it's just supposed to it's it's meant for us to kind of think about our place in the world a little differently. And I think for that it's effective. I'm still gonna buy roses on my cell phone. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? You're still gonna buy roses <laughs> on your cell phone. Like It's actually got, not roses. What mom likes is uh, those chocolate covered uh strawberries. That's what I'll get her. Right. And her birthday's coming up, don't forget. Picked by migrant laborers and blah blah blah. You know what I mean? Indubitably. Like, you know, forking amazon is moving to long island city like it's (sighs) it's a thing like i mean and this is why i say like this hits me where i live you know we can't literally you can't escape it and you have to live with it and the notion that the and you have to do your best under those circumstances but you're you're still gonna buy chocolate covered you know whatever's on your on your phone you're not whatever it's not grasshoppers or something (laughs) you know you're still gonna participate in the world and even if you try to do that ethically or even if you do that with good intentions to make someone happy you know not everybody is like mr robot like on the dark web like people are just trying to live their lives and the point is that even when we do that (laughs) mr robot on the dark web (laughs) with (laughs) 
<laughs> with the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but even when we do that, we're forked. And that is what's fundamentally broken about the system. Also, this ep- I don't want to talk about this, but this episode is confirmation for me that, like, the system was just designed to torture children. And um, that's profoundly not okay. Yeah. I mean, it tortures everybody. I Yeah. But children. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like they get a pass. Nope. You, you know, neither does the migrant laborer, right? If literal, if to your point, if no one's getting in, then they... I, abs- yeah, that's what I was thinking about that too. Like, oh, I'm exploiting a migrant laborer who also doesn't get into the good place. Right. Why? Like, why? Because their labor goes to enrich the racist, sexist CEO? Really? Yeah. Like the migrant laborer or the person working in the sweatshop or the person you know, in the Congo who's working in the mines for all of the, like, minerals that go into an iPhone, like, Right, it's a much more, perhaps, realistic or interesting thing to say that nobody from a developed country has gotten into the good place, right, (laughs) Right. in 500 years or something. Right, 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 right. right. And that, I think, gives you maybe some, I think, probably from an audience perspective, this show is for people in developed nations, right? Like right, so che- cheaty, ki- kind of sorta. The I mean that's an interesting thing, right? Like his country was colonized. Do the people, but you know, not colonized five hundred some years ago. Colonized in the nineteenth uh, or twentieth century. I don't know when Senegal was colonized, but. His do do all of the people who live under the colonizers they don't get in right like yes right I mean you know I this like this explanation to me thus far this explanation doesn't actually make sense to me yeah that's fair so let's forget about it okay because it's time Hong for Chelinor Hong Kong get all on right. the ship y'all get you talk. on the ship you talk this is your time I just, <laughs> this is my time I just I just. <laughs> It's so beautiful. It is such a beautiful, like, they had to have this, you know, the the last episode was this dramatic coming together, finally, not for the first time for them, right? It's actually the third time, if I remember correctly. The first time was the video we see from Mindy St. Clair's. The second time is, you know, when they're getting ready to leave, basically burn down the old old neighborhood. Um, No, pardon me. The second time is is when they kiss right before they get sent back down to Earth. Yeah. And now this is the third time. In the last episode, this is the third time that they have come to grips with the fact that they're in love with each other. That they are... I'm just going to call them soulmates. I don't care. That they are soulmates. But there's no... Eleanor has no template for a functional, loving relationship. Certainly her parents didn't give her one. Certainly she never was in one. And it's unrealistic to think that just because she has found her soulmate, that all of her like emotional baggage all of a sudden just poofs away. And so that's what her storyline this episode is. It's that she now they have to do it on an accelerated time frame, right? Because this is it's like 13 episodes a season in real life, quote unquote, real life. There are four Oreos from heaven. So this isn't real life either. But right. in real life, obviously, it would take her a lot longer to come to terms with these things. But she is... She has to come to grips with the fact that this man who she thinks is, you know, who is so much better than any man she has ever really come into contact with in in her living life, who is this smart, 
educated, ethical, thoughtful, sweet, uh, honest man. Totally ripped also. Also hot (laughs) that this man wants her and she can't really make her brain fully wrap around that. Like she knows that she is attractive. She'll be the first to tell you that. She's a total smoke show. Right. But that's not what Chidi is in it for, right? Yeah. Chidi is in love with her. It's not it's I'm mean, it's not unconnected to her physical self, but it's not primarily about her physical self. It is primarily Especially now that they're dead again. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's primarily about her soul, and she has never had anybody love her soul before. And so, <laughs> Yeah, I know. This is come on. <laughs> And so she has to wrestle with that inside herself of like, how, how did this happen? How did I find him? How did he find me? How did we get to this place? How is it possible? I mean, the, the prevailing question here is, how is it possible that a man like this is actually in love with me? Because I know who I am. And who I am is a dirtbag from Arizona. Yeah. She doesn't necessarily see... That, yes, she is that thing, but also in the time since the show began, you know, she has grown and changed enormously. And also, even in her dirtbag from Arizona persona, she still has a lot of positive qualities. So she is, she has basically one third of one episode to (laughs) just really wrestle with the notion that this is real, this is happening, And also, it's happening in the middle of them all running for their lives, so to speak. They're dead now, but (laughs) I really, I keep thinking, like, are their bodies just lying unmarked, but dead on a floor of that bar? Like, how how are the Canadian, how are the Royal Canadian Mounted Police going to explain (laughs) that? Their lives, so to speak. Yeah. That, that. It's everything is like high stress, high intensity, high stakes. Oh, and also... Here is your soulmate. Here is the love of your life. He does love you back. You know, that was the whole point of the last episode. And you could lose him literally at any moment. Now, which this is true for all of us, technically, right? Those of us who have people that we love, we know that we know intellectually kind of sort of that we could lose them at any moment for any number of reasons. But it's not something that most of us wrestle with on a daily basis, thankfully, right? If you have an anxiety disorder, that might be not the case. Or if the person... Or if a person that you love, unfortunately, is dealing with, you know, terminal problems, then right. obviously that is something that's in your consciousness. But but given decent health and decent luck, most of us go around the world not really thinking about the fact that all the people we love are eventually going to be taken from us or us from them. But, like, Eleanor can't forget that. They, they, they just whooshed through a dumb waiter (laughs) from one aspect of the afterlife to another aspect of the afterlife they died like a few hours ago yeah (laughs) like everything is just in the middle of happening and so you know all you know her whole nervous system is just on total high alert while she's dead i don't know if she even has a nervous system her whole her whole soul is just on high alert and so it's these competing like we have to survive. We just have to get out of here. And then like, I have to keep Chidi. And also I can't believe this is actually happening. I can't believe Chidi actually loves me. Like, how could that be possible? I don't deserve his love. He is a better person than I am, which I think is true, but you know, not necessarily the point. Right. Yeah. 
The uh, point is, he does he does love her. He loves her, and yeah. and and so this whole episode is her him just convincing her, like, no, really, really, I do love you, and really, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to do whatever I can to stay with you, and also, we have to enjoy this time we have together because it may be the only time we have together ever in all eternity. I'll add another layer. I mean, all of that is wonderful and makes my heart like burst. Another <laughs> layer to it is that like their feelings for each other and them admitting their feelings to each other in the last episode, you know, she was very like literally and figuratively falling apart without him. And in the last episode, their admission of love for each other was what like fixed the void and kept them from being completely obliterated. So there is this aspect, I think, of their love that is like, oh, our love can, or these feelings that I have for you are so powerful that they can save us. They can save, you know, I don't know if it's save the world, but like Michael says, like, we got to go save humanity, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think there's a layer of this, which is like our feelings for each other are so powerful that like they are, they could, it could move heaven and earth, right? Like, mm. and and that is how you, when you are truly, truly in love with someone, especially in like the early days when, you know, everything is. When it's all rainbows and unicorns. Right. You feel like I would move heaven and earth for this person. And our love could do that. And I think there's an element of that in here that like their love literally saved the void from getting completely obliterated. It's going to be really interesting if their, their newfound love for each other is going to be kind of like a plot point. And I don't mean, obviously it's a part of the plot, but if, you know, if, if the judge at the interdimensional hole of pancakes kind of, if her opinion is swayed or anything by them sort of begging for more time or something like that. Yeah. Or if it's, or if it's evidence that that you know, that their souls are pure in some way, I don't know. Or if it's evidence that, you know, Michael tries to use it as evidence to say that people's souls can change and people's lives can be changed. I mean, we, this is the thing that we talk about like almost every episode when you know when we're talking about the good place in particular is like you know had Eleanor was always capable of this kind of love but she never in her waking life in her living life got to experience that because it got to experience her own potential because of the environment that she was brought up in and because of the people in her life so like is this evidence that if we all try to do better by each other and we all put more love into the world, then things will get better. I mean, that's a little like woo woo, but you know, is it about not assuming like, is it about putting these sort of like good, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Can you help me out? (laughs) Or do you not know what I'm trying to say either? I'm not totally clear on what you're trying to say. I I guess I'm I'm wondering if you know they're they found each other in these like extraordinary circumstances. We fell in love in a hopeless place. Yes. <laughs> Quite literally. But 
because they and and this is true actually for the whole soul squad right like that was eleanor's point at the end of season two was like or at the end of season one like you put us all together thinking that we would torture each other and we did but we also made each other better and and the in season two that's the reason why she's like look we're all here because of each other so it should be a pa- a global pass fail for all of us right mm-hmm. and because she may- was the only one who passed the, the judge's test right but maybe that is like, look, we all, maybe that's the way that we have to look at the point system or whatever comes after the point system is we all make each other better. We all have to try for each other because it part of this system that doesn't work is this gross inequality that puts some people above others. And, you know, it, we all have to try to understand that we do live in this global community where right now it is a global pass fail about of whether or not you get into the good place. I mean, I hope we, I hope, I hope that we talk about soon. And when I say we, I mean the show, I hope the show talks about soon. Like what even is the point of the bad place? Like what is the utility of taking a human soul and subjecting it to torture for eternity? It doesn't, undo the bad things that that soul did. It doesn't make anything right, right? I mean, this is essentially an argument against prisons, which I, I, I somewhat buy into and I somewhat don't. But it doesn't it doesn't create any reparations for anybody. And it doesn't make anything better. It puts more pain and suffering into the, whatever you want to call it, existence, the multiverse, whatever. And it doesn't fix anything that was broken so instead of a you know a good place and a bad place ultimately you want something i think like a good place where eventually everybody goes but first you have to go through purgatory you know Mm. sort of a catholic notion of purgatory where you know you have to reckon with all of the bad things that you've done and you know in some way be penitent in some way maybe make things right Maybe you have to confront all the people that you've hurt. I don't know exactly, right? But that all of these unintended consequences that are keeping people out of the good place or whatever, part of the reason that we're able to sort of engage in them is because they're all happening to these faceless people far away from us. And a version of purgatory where we have to come to grips with that would maybe not be the worst thing. And then in the end, once you have made your amends, you know, maybe you have to haunt some people. Maybe it's like a Christmas carol, <laughs> right? Like oh my Jacob, God, I would love to haunt some people. <laughs> Jacob Marley has to come to Earth to haunt Scrooge because he says, "You." I'm paraphrasing from 150-year-old British English, pardon me, but also he says... a Muppet Christmas carol. Uh, shh, don't tell them what my real source is. Okay. <laughs> You either have to make your human connections while you're alive or you have to make them after you're dead. But you have to make your human connections. And I didn't make mine while I was alive. So now I'm coming to you after I'm dead because that is my penance, right? That mm-hmm. that he's that he's actually, you know, this ghost is actually trying to affect positive change amongst the living even though he is dead, right? There's like so many directions you could go with this. But like it seems like the worst possible option is just eternal damnation. Torture ever Yeah, eternal damnation for Everybody, forever. Because why? Like, what What purpose does it serve? 
who is being gratified by this? Yeah, I mean, I think that goes back to like your alignment chart metaphor that like the good place or sorry, the bad place right now seems to just be chaotic evil. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's I mean, it's part of a bureaucracy. So it's not entirely but they break chaotic. Rules. They break rules. They break rules all the time. And it is doing bad things for the sake of doing bad things. It's not doing bad things. You know, there are people who do bad things because they believe it's for the greater good. There are people who do bad things because they, it will benefit them. And that is what they believe is the greater good, right? There are people who do bad things because they don't, or do do neutral things that then get turned into bad things by other people, like the guy who invented the atom bomb, right? Like, it's it's. I I think I'm I'm losing my thread again a little bit here, but I I think that yeah, the 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 bad place is not any of that. The bad place and all the demons that we've met, the Vickies and the. Chris, the hot mailman from New Jersey and all them, like, they... Twisting! Right, in the twisting department and what's-his-face in the toxic masculinity department, right? Like, they all... Dax, Dax Shepard. Dax yeah. Shepard? You got that good stank. And my boyfriend, <laughs> Adam Scott, before he was, like, you know, thrown off the ledge by the judge, we're all doing bad things for fun. For fun. They thought it was fun. So, yeah, I think that looking at that system a little bit more carefully probably uh it behooves us to do that like what what's the point of this actually yeah they all do evil things for fun and so what is what even is the point of that in if the idea is for all of us to learn that we have to be better people but there's no chance to be a better it's not like we're reincarnated or something like there's no there's no there's no utility to any of this unless it turns out that there is some sort of uh, you know, huge alien brain consciousness that requires the suffering of human souls to power its generators or something. Like, there's no... So the Matrix. Yeah, basically. There's no point to any of this, but I'm hoping that we get into that. The Matrix is 20 years old in March of this year. Oh, I'm not ready for that. Not ready for that. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Maybe we could do a, a Matrix episode that would be even less relevant than our West Wing episode. Sure. <laughs> okay, I'm feeling pretty done. Me too. Uh, next week, there's another episode of The Good Place. Hooray. Uh, so we don't have to talk about yet what we're going to do once The Good Place is on hiatus for like nine months. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? Uh, until next time, I hope everybody has a nice horny cry. <laughs> we'll see you next time, Big Dog. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door Knock, knock, knocking on